The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We have a lot to talk to you about today, and uh, this one's going to be a fun one. We've got a couple of people that have just written in with with a lot of fun stuff. I cannot wait to share yeah. my debate answers with you. But we are a week away from <laughs> the Chicago track day right now. Do you realize we are, this? which is crazy. But this time next week, we will be done, which is kind of nuts. I can't believe that. Uh, well, yeah. uh, this is going to be uh, quite an adventure for us. And uh, if you haven't heard yet, August 22nd, 2016 is our first track day where we're inviting you to come out to the track outside mm-hmm, of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So go to everydaydriver.com adventures tab for more information there. And uh, we've got a lot of people. We've, we had Sean Young last podcast. So if you didn't hear that, yep. he runs yep. Laps Incorporated and is helping us run the entire track event. We're essentially pigging on, piggybacking on his event. Yeah, we're, we're partnering with him, which is going to be great. It's going to be a really, really cool event. Yeah. I mean, we're expecting, you know, some of his regulars that are hardcore are going to be out there, but we've also got a lot of you guys coming that are total track newbies at your first time, and we are thrilled about that because that's what these events are for. I mean, we're talking about track instruction, driving instruction. You're getting an awful lot for less than $300. Just to give you a frame of reference, your average track day is about $250, $300, and that's right where this is, and you're getting an incredible amount. At, at, from what we understand, Audubon Country Club, we haven't mentioned it to one person, and they haven't gone, Oh, that place is great. I mean, <laughs> right, right. So we're very excited now. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be great. Very, very excited. Thank you for coming. Looking forward to seeing you all there. And mm-hmm. uh, quickly to tease you, go ahead and settle in, everyone, because this is gr- this is going to be great. We have uh, John McD writing to us with an acronym I have never seen or heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I noted you made a note of this, and I was like, yeah, he's going to end up talking about that. Yeah, I noted that. The acronym is SWMBO. Has there anybody ever heard this? Have you heard of this, actually? Swimbo, yes. Well, I've, I've heard, I've heard. yeah, keep going. You have? Keep going. Okay. Mm, uh, yeah, I have. Keep going. Yeah. All right, all right. So this acronym is She Who Must Be Obeyed. And clearly, mm-hmm. he's shopping for his wife. And John, thank you for writing because how much fun is it to shop for others? It's like Christmas. We get to shop for you all the time and spend your money. This is what we do all the time. We are shopping for (laughs) others constantly. This is what we do. It's so much fun. So we've got John and we're going to be shopping for his wife and she's got very specific needs there. And then Mm -hmm. we've got James in Northern California who has an Evo 10, a car we have driven endlessly. As a matter of fact, this morning I was thinking about how many Evo 10 press cars we've driven. I've come up with many. four and then Have another yeah. tuned Evo. And I still think yeah. we should do the, yeah, the, yeah. the greatest hits of the Evo to give it a proper send-off, hey. you know? You know, you bring it up. You bring it up. You actually kind of softballed softballed to me. I haven't even told you this, but but I've been, as you know, I've been working my way through our latest Evo-related piece, which yes. is the four-car Comparo around the, the Focus RS. And it's really cool, and there's some great commentary, and there's some shots I'm really proud of that we got on that piece. It was really, really a great shoot. 
All of that is my teaser to say that's not happening this Thursday. I'm sorry. It's just, it's too big. There's no way that's going to get done by this Thursday. And, and Paul and I have been talking about it. Yeah. I would rather make that piece take some time and make it really good than rush it just to get it out. I know that's disappointing to many of you. I would love to get it out this Thursday. It will not be this Thursday. It will be next Thursday. That's a big drought between Paul's car and that one. But due to vacation and scheduling, we just decided, all right, we're going to make that the next piece up. It's a little more than a week out now. It's going to be really cool. Of course, now I'm setting the bar high for myself. <laughs> yeah, but it is coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And speaking of cars we've talked a lot, I wanted to, to give a shout-out quickly to Ross, who tweeted at us and the Smoking Tire uh, pretty much uh, two days ago, I think it was. It was this weekend. He just bought himself a Fiesta ST and was thanking both us and Matt Farah for all of the commentary on it. He's bought it, and he has decided, yep, I bought it, and I'm in love with it. So, Ross, congrats. Uh, you even got it in the blue color that I love. I hope you do love that car. But the RS film, not the Fiesta ST, the Focus RS film is coming soon. Yeah, yeah. Ross, congrats. Hopefully you're listening to the podcast while you're driving the car that we all recommended. That would be sort of there the you go. planets aligning yeah. Yeah, yeah. kind of thing. All right, so we've got James driving the Evo 10. He's looking for a GT car, and we're excited to discuss. This is going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I've got some interesting choices. I am... Kind of proud of myself over here. I think you're going to mm -hmm. like the choices and, and chew on that. And uh, I think it's going to be fun here. So, Yeah, I think James has, has liked that and had that Evo 10 for a while. It would be good to talk about other alternatives for him. I think that will be cool. Yeah. We should also talk about some news stuff that actually you guys have asked about in your Facebook questions. We'll cover more Facebook questions later tonight. But you guys also asked a couple of Facebook questions that related to news items we were already kind of circling. So we want to talk about the Infinity new engine, and we want to talk about the Ford GT selection process. I want to jump in on the Ford GT thing really quickly. And the, oh, I just, hmm. I'm struggling. What? I'm what? struggling with this. On because the, on the process? ultimately, Ford's, Ford's GT selection has gone very similarly to their press cars. I hate to say it, but it's that thing that's happening yeah. right now in marketing where the people we want aren't necessarily even the people that know what they're doing. We want people that are influencers. Two, two terms that make my skin crawl are the term <laughs> vlogger and influencer. And unfortunately, most of the time they are the same. Though I will acknowledge, if I decided to be a vlogger just to be an influencer and walk around staring at my camera or maybe even just my phone in selfie mode and put up two or three videos a day, we would actually have more followers on YouTube. As much as that horrifies me, I do know that it's true, but these are the kind of people, honestly, that Ford would rather give press cars to, and they're following along with that on the Ford GT program, as far as I can tell. It's influencers more than it's maybe anybody else. Yeah, and uh, I have read a bunch of stuff about this process as well that Ford has adopted. And the articles start out with, this is an innovative approach to selecting applicants. No, it's not. It's like Ferrari. It's like <laughs> yeah. the crap Ferrari pulls. I cannot yeah. stand it personally because here we are with almost 70% of new GT owners having owned a prior model, a prior GT. Mm -hmm. And I think it should be reversed personally. I think they should have selected 30% of current GT owners and then open it up to enthusiasts to expand appreciation of the brand. I think it's going to be a world-class car. We all do. Yeah. We all have very high expectations, yeah. of course. But I think that would bring more people into the Ford community rather than this thinking that kind of keeps it insular. That's what Ferrari wants. They vet you out. They, yeah. I'm surprised they don't ask for your bank account statements. And, okay, well, you, you remember those Ferraris Ferrari. and, okay, how much yeah. money do you really have? It's just – it seems <laughs> snooty to me. I'm just picking up on the snooty thing from Ford. Is it me? 
Well, there there's two things going on. I think I think it's a little bit snooty, but I think there's strategy about it versus Ferrari is just snooty. And, and the difference it's a fine line here, but follow me. The the Ferrari F12 TDF, the Tour the Tour de France, okay, that everybody that drove, of course we have not, but everybody that drove cannot shut up about how awesome it is. Also the fact that it just wants to tear your face off. That car, the requirement was you had to currently own 5 Ferraris to buy that car. Oh. <laughs> Now, if you currently own five Ferraris, I don't think it's very likely you're even going to drive this TDF very often. Because if you have five Ferraris, you probably got a ton of other stuff. We, I mean, we know a couple people that we're pretty sure ended up with one. We know their garages. They don't are, are barely going to drive this car. And it's like the ultimate V12 front engine track car from Ferrari, but you had to own. So those feel like we want people that are just going to rub them with a diaper to go with Ferris Bueller, if you, if you will. We want people, the, the difference with the GT thing, but I nice. will say the one thing I like about it is they're wanting, as much as I hate the influencers idea, they're wanting these cars out in the public. They're wanting people that will take their car to car shows. They're wanting people that will take their car to the track, that will get them out versus put them under glass. That is the one thing about it I do like about the discussion is that they are wanting the car out in the public versus, uh, you know, mothballed away. But the unfortunate other side of that is I think they've gone with, well, who are the influencers? And I just, I want to gag. But Mm -hmm. at -hmm. least they'll be out there. That's the good news. Hopefully we can even find one from one of the, if you're an influencer getting a Ford GT, in spite of what I've said about influencers, (laughs) I'll even vlog for you. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, we we would love to to have one. We have an idea for it. (laughs) We take it all back. And please give us a call. No, uh, I, I'm with you. I um, I feel like there are current owners that have put theirs under glass, the uh, the 05, 06 mm-hmm. models. And, uh, yeah. you know, for as many as that we've seen out there, I think there's just as many that are in people's living rooms and don't even look at my car and touch it. I'm going, really? I, yeah, these are made to be driven of any Did, supercar. These are the ones. I, yeah. Driven. Well, but the thing about the Ford GT, the original version that was so that so interesting, is that may be the one of the best car investments on the planet. Because if you bought one, they've pretty much doubled in value since you bought one. If you bought one new, yeah. Oh, and yeah. did I ever did I ever tell you the absurd thing that happened at the last car show that you and I were at the the local cars and coffee where the red and white Ford GT showed up? Did I tell you the absurd story that happened I, with my son? On I that? remember seeing it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I heard the story though. the the thing that The thing that's funny about my son and our FRS is he loves that car he loves it which is great and you know he knows that i'm open to sharing it so he what he loves to do more than anything at a car show is find some kid and he he identifies a child as anything under driving age so this kid could be literally twice his age but he will find some kid and the first thing he wants to do is go show them our car well it's an frs it's an orange frs this is not a fancy car okay i'm glad i'm glad he loves it and and one of the things that's cool about it is if he finds somebody roughly his age you know six or seven they're excited by the fact that i let him just crawl in the car and crawl around that's cool i get it but this red and white Ford GT pulled into the last cars, cars and Coffee, and it happened to park two spaces down from our FRS. And okay, getting out right, of the passenger right. side was a 14-year-old son of the guy that drove it. Right. Okay? Right. He was the son of the If owner. you're that kid, if you're that kid, you are baller. You've just shown up <laughs> in the bell of the ball. Okay? Exactly. But my son runs over and introduces himself to this kid and says, do you want to see our car? And I started shaking my head going, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> That's and so cute. This kid though. was 
it, so it was. Endearing. It was very nice because this kid was like, "What do you have?" And, and Bodie said, "We've got an orange FRS." And he said, "Well, sure." And so I think we perfect. I think Bodie unknowingly perfectly hit that sweet spot where. This kid showed up in the Ford GT, so nothing's going to impress him. But he's almost driving, and this is a car he could absolutely drive. Yeah, I wonder. I was going to say that. kind of hit that sweet spot. So when we opened up the door, he crawled into it, and he got out, and he looked at me. Honestly, my kudos to my son, I guess, for finding the right kid. But he looked at me, and he goes, this has got a much better, bigger interior than I ever thought. He said, they packaged this well. And I was like, okay, now now I'm impressed across the board. <laughs> what, did you but, pay him off to say that? <laughs> exactly. But I, but I said to him, I said, I said, you just arrived in the Ford GT, though, didn't you? And he kind of hung his head a little bit, and he went, yeah, I, I came in that with my dad. I was like, yeah, we don't need to show you the FRS. You're doing fine. <laughs> well, when, uh, when I took him for a ride, your son, when I took him for a ride in the new Cayman, yeah, I thought, yeah. I'm going to impress him. Because you've told the story about he just thinks your car is the fastest car on the planet. And, you know. He does. He does. Everybody was like, you know, I'm over here going, um. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Not true. But, but so thanks. I, uh, that's, that's cute. But no. It's cute. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to, you know, really impress him and put him in the passenger seat. And he was sitting in his chair. And I went 100 <laughs> miles an hour on the on-ramp. A hundred. It was easy. And, he, and then I looked over and I thought he was just going to be screaming with joy and he was looking down. And I went, yeah, but did, did you not feel the sensation of speed and could you? Uh, that was a hundred. Anyway. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so nonplussed. Oh, man. It was really funny, though. It's very cute. Anyway, sorry. I'm way off in the weeds, but the Ford GT got me there. We should also talk about the Infiniti uh, Variable Compression Ratio Engine VCT. This is pretty much every bit of technology this. you can throw it. Yeah, it's like every bit of technology possible for a gasoline motor thrown at this engine. Well, I've been reading about this, and I'm trying to grasp the concept here. And I'm looking at the diagrams, and the best thing I can still mm-hmm, come up with mm-hmm. is the crankshaft moves. Is it me, or does the crank actually shift position because the way I'm understanding it, the crank has to move to go a little bit, uh, it looks like offset for a higher compression ratio to make more power. So the crank has to move to shorten the stroke. So a longer stroke, a lower compression ratio is going to, is that right? Yeah, longer compression is going to open up fuel economy, a shorter stroke, but you have to move the crank to do it. And they're doing this with this actuator arm here. And I'm reading, but it doesn't say anything about the crank changing positions in the in- engine. It talks about the lobes and the crankshaft moving. So maybe that's it. I'm intrigued by this, I, though. I, I mean, would want to see it. I would want to see one of those kind of cutaway models that they do at auto shows. I want to see it rolling and see how it all actually right, plays. It's, actually working. it's the kind of thing that's difficult to read. But the result <laughs> it's is... It's actually Mazda rotary yeah. inside. Oh, no. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, but the but but it's the the difficult and interesting thing here is that they they have apparently been working on this idea for the better part of twenty years. The mm. concept they're going to release it in. <laughs> of course they are. They're going to release it in the Infinity SUV because you know that's where you need to put that. But the compression <laughs> ratio will vary between eight one and fourteen one, which is a massive shift in compression. Huge. But I mean they've thrown everything here. I mean the Atkinson cycle is going to be available port and direct. Injection. I mean, seriously, if it's a technology that is currently going on in engines, it's here. And 
the thing I'm laughing about, it's a two-liter engine. This is kind of <laughs> in, a, in a different way. It's it's kind of what Volvo has done with their engine lineup right now, which is it's all the same engine, but how many turbos would you like screwed to that? I mean, it's just we're, <laughs> we're like so obsessed with turbo how do we – or the 10? Seriously. Seriously. If you buy the <laughs> XC90, it's all the same engine, folks. Yeah. But it varies yeah. in like 100 horsepower between the base and the top end, and the difference is they screwed more snails to it. That's the difference. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's so it's it's funny to me that we're everybody's obsessed with this two liter engine and fuel economy, and then how do we essentially game the system or trick things to make this two liter engine act like it's bigger? And crazy ideas are coming up. I mean, Volvo's gone turbo nuts. Infinity's doing this variable compression. I just so intriguing. And then, of course, you know what'll happen? They'll ruin it with a, a CVT. <laughs> They'll promptly ruin mm -hmm. the efficiency part of mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I fear that too. I'm looking at the patent application even. I'm so intrigued by this because it finally seems like a real breakthrough, to be honest. It it really seems like if this can be reliable, that's my biggest question is yeah. the long-term re reliability of this because lobes on the camshaft are moving. Those are the highest stress points in the engine. I'm, I'm looking at this application here and, and – uh, yeah, I kind of get most of it so far, but I'm intrigued. I'm all for it. I, you know, the fact that it comes from Infinity, that's amazing. I mean, I wouldn't have expected it. It's very cool. To be honest, I would have expected, uh, I guess, maybe a European manufacturer, but that's no slight at all. Japanese have led well, the but, way for decades in terms of. But think of it this technology. way: this to me, this to me is the same part of Nissan that builds the the GTR. I mean, I feel like there's this skunk works in Nissan that builds That's really crazy. Me. I can't believe can't believe you did that part of Nissan. And the rest of Nissan is, have you driven our lineup? It's all kind of the same, and it has moaning CVTs, and we just kind of gave up. And then, and then you have the GTR. GTR! <laughs> Seriously. This feels like it comes out of the GTR skunk works. So yeah. in that regard, I go, I see it. It's, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I agree with you. The other big, big shift or question is <laughs> – You've done more complicated engine. How reliable is that going to be? And we don't know. That's, that's my uh, big question. Wow. No matter what, wow. Yeah, it remains to be seen. We're looking forward to the announcement. I mean, I suppose this is the official announcement now that it's all over the news. But uh, I'm curious to actually see this in a car. And, of course, we'd like to drive one and experience that shift well, because – They'll have one on the stand. You know, they'll amazing. have a cutaway on the stand. It'll be interesting to see that cutaway and – and look at, you know, they're going to have the little, the LED lights that light up, you know, the the yellow light for the explosion and the blue light for the air. And you, you've seen that. They'll, <laughs> exactly. They'll, tell, me, tell me they're not building that already. Somebody oh, they, is going probably LED light crazy already. at Nissan and building the little thing that, that's going to stand on the stand. And we'll all look at it and be like, I kind of get it. I mostly you know. get it. Mostly. Exactly. I want to see it work. Yeah, well, anyway. I think everybody does. Yep. We should move on to first car debate, which is John and the she who must be obeyed. <laughs> SWMBO. I want to know who's heard is. of this because this is a new one for me. I mean, I practically live in acronym world, and this is brand new. I'm, I was laughing a long time, John. This is hilarious. All right, so here's the story is uh, John, his wife, is coming out of an 03 Audi A4 Avant, which also caught my eye because I had an 04 mm -hmm. A4 Avant Ultrasport with the 3-liter engine, yep. although it was the yep. automatic. Yes, I would have preferred the manual transmission in that car, but... And she has, she has the manual. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got the mm -hmm. manual. <laughs> and I sold my car to a friend that had... Uh, 
it had right about 70,000, I think, somewhere in there, maybe 80,000. And I had kept, mm-hmm. you know, kept on top of the maintenance and everything is working. You had. I'm kind of curious as to how that car was certified Paul owned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Curious as to how that car is running now and how much money he's actually put into it because John's calling this car a maintenance nightmare. And I mean, they'll yeah. run. You got to keep throwing money at them, but they'll go to 150, no problem, but not without yeah. draining your bank account. And uh, well, and that's the thing. He doesn't say he doesn't say mileage on their car. Right. I mean, he describes right. it as this is the first nice car she ever had, and this is their, is their beautiful piece of maintenance nightmare. <laughs> so uh, the problem the problem is it's given her that German car bug. You know, I mean, this car is, I mean, yes. that's an old, older car at this point, but now she's kind of obsessed with the luxury and the solid feeling of the luxury refinement of the Audi. And so that has influenced her cars going forward. And so now he's trying to figure out what do we get next? And clearly, John is very much wanting to not only get out, but get his wife something she likes and still not have maintenance like this. This has got, yeah, you've headed down the, let's be honest, if you go far enough down that road, John, you wind up where Paul is. You're in the pool of Porsche, just doing the backstroke very happily. <laughs> and the cars are awesome, but well, brace yourself for the buy-in. Yeah, that's the deal. If you're dancing on thin ice, well, if you're skating on thin ice, you might as well dance. Screwed that one up, didn't I? Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway. You um, did, but we followed it anyway. Yeah. You follow me. Well, so John's wife, John, I hope your wife is listening to this. I hope you're sharing this podcast with her because she has said it's got to have enough power and look good. The only people that ever used enough were Rolls-Royce Back in the day, they just said it had enough. They never posted their uh-huh. stats. So yeah. <laughs> what does enough mean? That's my question. Well, it's got to be snappy off the line. It's got to, yeah, all, the, all those kinds of things. Probably good fuel economy too. But here's the cars that he has tried to push so far. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those include the Lexus IS350, which we've driven and liked. Yep. And there's this a great uh, choice. The Infiniti Q50. And that's with the 3.7 liter engine. And I see what you're doing. You're wanting the bigger engine in response to her desire for power. So it's the G37. And that's the, it's the G37 becomes the Q50. I mean, we're yep. talking about that lineup. So, yeah. What's interesting about that, though, is we're a long way from wagon once we wind up at an Infinity Q50. Um, True. But, True. Uh, yeah. But anyway, keep going. Mercedes C300. So new C-Class. Love it. We mm-hmm. like that car. I think that would be a good uh, good variant. And those do come with turboed fours in them now. And yep. then the Audi A6 with the three-liter supercharged engine. <laughs> to supercharged, yes, to supercharged. exactly. Uh, what else? Okay, well, so he's stopping there I, for now. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm kind of shocked, other than obviously she got the Audi bug, but I'm kind of shocked you've gone back to Audi at all. If you're describing that car you're getting out of as a, as a maintenance nightmare, and you at least have the three-liter naturally aspirated engine. I mean, you didn't even add uh, any kind of blower on there to make it more complicated. I'm really surprised that the A6 survives on your list. Nothing against the A6, but I just if you've had that Audi thing, I kind of want to get you away from that brand into something different, not only for different life experience, but just, okay, if that's been a maintenance thing, let's rest for a bit. But, okay, keep going. Yep, yep. What else? Uh, so he's really looking for you know suggestions that he's been missing. And here's his price point. She would probably be happy with 35000 as a price point. Mm-hmm. But it's us. Well, I'll be honest. It's me. <laughs> so that's why he put in here, let's just go ahead and bump that right on up to 50K. And that's doable. Yeah. So that's great because that really opens yeah, up some choices. Yeah, 50K is the high end. Yeah. All right. So here's the cars that she likes currently and is considering. 
Dodge Challenger. Well, yeah, these are kind of the dream cars, Ooh. I feel like, yeah. With a manual, V8 yeah. with a manual. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, be ready to invest in tires, back tires specifically, yeah. John. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and um, cold startup in your neighborhood, that's that's going to be a problem with that car. That's Yeah, your wife's either going to be everyone's favorite person where everybody's like, I wish I was married to her, or everyone's going to hate her because of the <laughs> exactly. exhaust note cranking up the Challenger in the morning. One of those two is going to happen. Anyway, yeah, keep going. Exactly. Uh, Infinity Q50, okay, so yes, the Infinity's on there. With that twin-turbo V6, I would not be afraid of that engine, especially brand new. I think it's going to be yeah. nearly bulletproof. That's, I wouldn't have any hesitation on that. And then uh, finally, that A6 that we've been talking about with uh, with the supercharged engine, which she is that's and that's clearly why that's on the list because it's a car she's already eyeing. So okay, all right. Um, I have I have four, four that I thought of. The first three are kind of more. Have you considered these? Please go drive them. And then I landed on one that I'm really interested in. The only thing that I don't. The only thing that is the hard part here is. Clearly, she would like a manual transmission, and not everything that we're chasing here is a manual. I mean, for example, the Mercedes obviously isn't. The Lexus obviously isn't. Those are good cars. If the manual is a requirement, and you don't really say here, if the manual is a requirement, there are cars that obviously are going to fall off this list. But we've got a mixed bag list here. Um, There's a part of me that just says if she likes the Challenger, go get a Challenger. They're not that expensive for what you, I mean, if you're not going to get the, the big Hellcat, go get yourself a Challenger and enjoy that for a bit. I expect that car will have a lifespan, though. And I mean, not in how does it run. I mean in her enjoyment of it. I think it'll be a laugh for a while, and mm-hmm. then I think it'll be, this isn't nice enough. That's my suspicion. Hmm. Maybe they should go rent a Challenger for a weekend, like a getaway, and then Possibly. buy something else Possibly. just to sort of get it out of her system, maybe? Is that what you're saying? Well, because I just well because I think if we're coming out of Audi and what we liked is the the solid luxury feel of the Audi, the Challenger is not that. So true, you know, it's going to be a laugh. It's, it's and a fan, smoky burnout. It's a fantastic the laugh, and it's a great attitude. And I think your wife driving a Challenger that's just cool. That's that's just there's no way around it. That's just cool. <laughs> yeah. My wife drives a manual transmission Challenger. Bring that on. But <laughs> exactly. since we started at since we started at she likes the luxury and the solid feel and the luxurious feel of the Audi, I'm not making the connection. That's why I think that car's got a lifespan. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Maybe yeah, a getaway weekend, rent the car, think about it. Obviously, test driving is important. Uh, John, you have mm-hmm. not indicated if she has test driven any of the choices you're trying to push on her. Here. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and I'm hopefully, hopefully the ones that she likes. Hopefully she knows she likes them because she has driven them. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And I do like your choices. We are not poo-pooing your choices here. It's it, they're good. And any one of these would do. But I've got three that I think are gonna make her really purr, to be honest. And uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And there's a double entendre in there too because of the manufacturer. I noticed. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I see where we're going. I, I think I see where we're going. Hopefully you do. I want to I want to start in the weeds, actually, because I, I followed kind of a mental rabbit trail here, and I don't know that this is the answer, but we left the wagon. John, we, we walked away from wagon and never came back. We started at a wagon, but nothing we're talking about since then is a wagon, and I kind of went, why, why are we not talking wagon? So that made me think about, you do have the BMW 3 Series wagon, the sport wagon, and... It's in the lineup. I at least should mention it. You have the BMW 3 Series GT. Mm-hmm. 
which is not an attractive <laughs> car. But I say it because I say it because that's a love it or hate it styling car. She may look at it and be like, "No, I actually really like that." Okay, great, because that's the thing about those those GT var- variants. And then, of course, if we're going to be there, I am going to say you could. Again, it's in the same category. And again, I acknowledge these first choices are all in the weeds. You could look at used Panameras. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those cars are going to run. They're going to run. They're going to be expensive when maintenance is due, but they're not going to be randomly unreliable, which is what it sounds like has happened to your Audi. Uh, 50 to 55K is really the reality of getting those cars. So right at the upper end of your budget. You might be able to find one for 45, 48. Um, we're talking the V6. It's not going to be really powerful, but it. But compared to that three liter you've been dealing in, it's probably going to feel pretty equivalent to that. I think she would really like that car. We're at. I will acknowledge we're at the very rare air. We're at the upper level of what you can do. Um, but I think it's worth chasing if it's going to be a style question. Does she like the look of it? Uh, I think the interior she'd like. I think the driving dynamics she'd like. Uh, does she like the look of it, which is my same issue with the BMW GT. So that's my kind of wild card off in the weeds thing, and then I got a little more serious, but I want to hand off to you for a minute. Okay, all right, all right. Well, John, I uh, you heard me make uh, some allusions here to her purring, and I think yes. you need to pay a visit to your Jaguar dealer. Mm-hmm. I, I figured that was coming. I, uh, <laughs> I'm sure everybody else did too. I went up in price. I've got three choices for you here. And the problem with today's cars is the bigger in size of car that you go, the rarer it is to find a manual transmission. Yes, there's a Chevy SS. This is true. BMW M5. Yes, Yes, we can talk Challenger. We can talk uh, what else is there. but you leave it quickly. You're right. You're right. It's it's the th- like the three series yeah, cars Dodge. are still available with a manual, and then the minute you jump up above that, you kind of lose that that kind of midsize thing. If you fi- buy the base one, I'll give you. I'll go crazy. The base Cayenne you can get in a six speed. Now, yeah. why on earth that's even available in a six speed? That's a rare beast, but it's out there. But then, as soon as you get above the base Cayenne, you can't even get the manual anymore. Exactly. So I exactly. see what you're saying. Yeah. So. Yeah. You've got to decide on the size of car, and, and an A4 from 03 is almost the size of where the the A3 is now, nearly. Yeah, it's, so it's almost the two-series A3 world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's doing this, and they keep growing so they can slot in, hey, a new unexpected model. BMW is the king of this. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, they we are. found a niche. <laughs> we created uh-huh. this car for – it's a GT with an M package for, you know, three people, families with three people. Who knows? So, Sir, um, we have a new we have a new uh, survey that just came in. We have twenty people that would buy this variant if we made it. Let's make that. Let's make that. Yeah, I hear you. Sold. Mm-hmm. Business case sold. All right. So I said the Jaguar dealer, you got to check out the XE. I mm-hmm. am endlessly yeah. intrigued cool. with this car. I think loads of style. I'm looking at these. You can get these cars all the way to a three liter supercharged V6 with 340 horsepower if you so desire. Now, they start fairly low, but you can go all the way to the mid-40s, even pushing 50 with this car. I don't think you need Mm -hmm. to to really check the box of, this is different. I like this. It's stylish. It's it's completely just away from the thing she's probably been thinking about. Which then led me to the F-Pace. We have not talked SUVs, so I will just offer this briefly as an aside because these Mm -hmm. are still in the same price range if she's even interested in the SUV category, but none of the cars that you guys are looking at suggest SUV. We haven't to. headed that way. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave that there, but Jaguar. I am all about British cars right now for some reason. But uh, I'm, <laughs> really, I mean, I like your Panamera idea, but the Jags are just 
insanely interesting. And it's it's like, uh, yeah, I, I think they're jewelry. Well, you can go shop for that Jaguar with with your money and not be stretching and worried. Whereas the Panamera, I'll fully acknowledge the Panamera that you get at fifty grand is going to have sixty to eighty thousand miles on it, and you're going to be worried. I know you're going to be worried about maintenance cost. And again, I'm going to say to you, it's not going to randomly break, but it's going to cost money at the major intervals. That Jag would be brand new. You could get a brand new one for your Absolutely. price. I, that's the difference. That's the absolute difference here. So I see exactly where you are, and I think there's some real merit in that. Absolutely true. I kept going. And as a matter of fact, of as we've been talking, I've thought of another car that I've talked about recently, but I'll just mention that. Okay. Um, all right. So I, I kept going over to Volvo, and I went oh, to yeah. the S90. John, the hmm. start at 46. Now, you, you'll – Blow out the fifty, but it's me you're talking about, and you came to me with a fifty thousand dollars budget, so naturally <laughs> oh, no. we're gonna go. So you're 55. gonna go sixty. There <laughs> you 60. go. Woo-hoo. But this S ninety, let me put it this way: when Volvo introduced the new XC ninety, they pre-sold something like twenty four thousand models, twenty four thousand cars. I correct me if I'm wrong, but the point is they sold a lot of cars sight unseen because of the style and because of what this car promised, and it has delivered. Now, we have not driven Mm -hmm. one yet, but I believe, I mean, talk about jewelry. The switchgear is elegant and delightful and different, and it's European, and it's going to give her that European feel without the, the, uh, I will say, typical German BMW, Mercedes, Audi, Porsche. Those are great cars. We love them. But this is out there. And that S90, by the way, is coming in 2017 as the V90 in a wagon. Now, mm. these mm. cars are not manual. But my friend Tisha Johnson designed the interior, and it is an architectural masterpiece. A shout-out to her. She's a Volvo designer. And I think this car is stunning. It respects the new Volvo design language. It's the second car that we've seen. Uh, the first was the XC90, and this is now. Mm-hmm. Look at this car. It's baller car. I realize well, your wife doesn't need a baller car, but their, their interiors are really gorgeous right now. That XC90 interior that kind of, you know, advertises where they're headed. Great interior. I like the changes they're making. I mean, they're doing they're doing interiors that feel a whole price point above what they're charging for them. Agreed. I will absolutely back your Agreed. play on that. And as we've said many, many times, Volvo and BMW rule seats. Just they do. get in a car from one of those two manufacturers, and their base seats are awesome. I mean, sure, you can get great seats in your Porsche. You can get Recaros in your Fords. But I'm just talking climb into a BMW or Volvo and go, huh, mm-hmm. these are really nice seats because that just happens. This is so different and intriguing. I'm looking at the S90 again, starting at 46.9, which is high. But, mm. man, this thing is gorgeous, and it's this. It's it feels fresh to me. It feels like Volvo's doing something fresh over here. And they are not to be ignored. So you need to go check this out. The V90 is going to be interesting too, but just the sedan is God, spectacular. So, so I am So your sub, your subtitle your subtitle for the podcast is I'm Paul. If you have 50, let's spend 60. That's pretty much <laughs> exactly. that's just pretty much who you are. That's, exactly. that's very helpful. I mean, well, speaking I of that a... price point, I've got one more real quick. Okay. All and right, that's yeah, the yeah. Alpha Julia that we have talked about before that I know in a sedan yeah. will come yeah. with the mm-hmm. manual. That's what was in the back of my mind when I was yes. ticking off all these That is a great find for that reason. I totally agree. Yes, I totally so agree. So that. that is an aside. It's not quite out yet. It may not appeal, and you may run away because it's FCA and it's Italian and all that jazz. But, you know, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
It's a it's a wild card in reliability, and that's the thing that I think that John is is understandably spooked about. Right. Uh, right. So that's a that's a question. I mean, I have. I have a couple others that I want to say. Main, the, I have one that I really am going to go, why haven't you considered this car? But before that, I want to mention two that I just think are on the please drive these list. You already passed by one of them. That is, I'm sorry I have to say it, Chevy SS. Go drive that car. I know mm-hmm. yeah. I know. I am the prophet of the Chevy SS, but seriously. <laughs> I was going to say, if I'm seriously. there, I'll spend ten grand more than your budget has. You're the Chevy SS. Mine is, mine is Todd Deacon. Have you looked at the Chevy SS? That's exactly my tagline. <laughs> While we're building it out, that, that's absolutely what it is. But no, go, go drive that car because we're talking about, look, it's not going to be as nice as the Audi. But you're coming from a 2003 Audi. It's at least operating almost in those categories. Um, but <laughs> At least. You know, which is, we'll leave it there. Which is sad to say. <laughs> but, but you can get a nice six-speed, great driving dynamics. It has, here's, here's the thing, the reason I think it might work. Because if she's liking the attitude and the sheer power of the Challenger, which I don't really think is a match, you get that that attitude feel a little bit out of the Chevy SS, plus you get manual, get magnetic ride control, and then you still get a car that is fully usable and can just blend and just look like a vaguely nice car. Please go drive it. I don't know that it's a match, but please go drive that car. Also, <laughs> drive the Cadillac ATS. Why aren't we driving the ATS? True, true. I mean, I, I, yeah, look, that's a good one, actually. She, she may take one. one look at it and just say, I don't like the styling of that. I know that is a polarizing styling car. But I have to say, every time I see one rolling through traffic, it's a car that just catches my eye. It's It's got engaging styling about it. And it is in that class. I mean, you brought up the Mercedes C300. We're big fans of the current C-Class. It's a great car, genuinely. Dynamically, interior-wise, that should be on your shortlist. That is a great, great car. But that ATS shouldn't be forgotten, and it gets overlooked. You can get deals on them because they're overlooked. Engine options, but that is the best chassis of this group. The dynamics on that car are great. Mm -hmm. So I think it's worth Mm -hmm. driving. But then the car, I feel like, is not on the list at all that you have to look at. Why no Acura? Hmm. You want reliable. What are you You want good interior. You want good build quality. Well, I think look at the TL and also look at the RL. Because the thing about the Acuras is they're just going to run. Oh, and true, the RL true. is their is their more expensive one that I actually think is a little bit better looking than the TL. You can get deals on these cars. They don't resell very well because they don't sell initially very well. And that's sad because dynamically they're good. Reliability, they're great. Build quality, they're good. Nice materials. They are an unsung brand. And if you're going to look at Infiniti and Lexus and consider them, you need to look at Acura. Now, look, the Mercedes, the Infiniti, the Lexus – we're not really going to chase out a big attitude manual transmission car out of this scenario. That's where I am with the Acura. So if you're going to walk away from that into where we started, luxury and solidly built, but you want it reliable, i got to leave you at Acura. I have to stay there. I've run up to the Acura site, and they have pulled a fast one on us like Infinity has done. So everything has uh, <laughs> got an X after it. So ILX, TLX, RLX, RDX, MDX, NSX, everything now with an X. Awesome. You know, it makes it extra special. Experience That's the thing. for man machine synergy. Ugh, I hate. Ugh. <laughs> ugh. Marketing wins again. Ugh. But yeah, but no, the the, the TL, the TL, are oh, you right? The TLX, which They're is your X. your three series, your RLX, which is kind of more like the five, even though honestly, it's not that much bigger than the than the TLX. Uh, look at both of those. I I think you, they are overlooked and they shouldn't be. Go look at those cars. You could get into a new one for your budget. You could have a myriad of, of used choices for your budget. So I think those are worth looking at. Oh, it's X because exhilaration. That's why. Exhilaration. Uh-huh. 
I'm Sigh. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm very exhilarated. Let us move on. Uh, we have another one. <laughs> we have another card debate here from James. Yeah, before we just sigh ourselves right off the podcast, uh, James wrote in. He's he's recently moved to Northern California from SoCal uh, with his Evo X. He's going to go be going back to so- Southern California a lot, which is a few hour drive. So he's having the discussion with himself of, okay, I don't want to do random four or five hour, six hour across California drive in my Evo X. Well, of course you don't. You don't want to be on the highway in that car. Uh, so you don't want to do that. Plus, you don't, don't want to be hammering miles onto the car that you drive mainly for fun. Mm-hmm. So, okay, yes. you have roughly 20 grand. You'd like something with less than 50,000 miles. And you're kind of thinking GT-ish car, something you can just hang out in and do the long drive. You've given us an interesting list, and I came up with a couple that aren't on it. So let's dive into this. I came up with one. James won. Okay. The car. All right. Good for you. All right. Good for you. Here's what he's thinking, though. 06 Corvette, so a base Corvette. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, possible. He's also talked about the E92 Generation 328i, which is, I think, would be a good choice. But I think think it would just be car. It would just you would just go out to your car and drive your That's car. That's my concern as well. That that I think it would be less interesting, less personality than he's hoping for out of that car. Depends on how it's spec'd, I will acknowledge, but yeah. that's yeah, that's my concern there, I agree. Uh, what else is on here? The two twenty eight IM Sport could also be fun. That could that starts to get interesting, but that's not as much of a GT car. I mean you could treat it that way, of course, but you certainly could. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. I think there's something else here for you. I did perk up at the Porsches. I th- you put 993 on <laughs> Shocking. here. And uh, I think you meant 996 for the 20000 price range because 993 Probably. ain't going to happen. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. yeah I yeah, love yeah, the yeah. idea, but for a 993-911, it's not going to be in the 20000 price range unless it's missing a wheel or missing an engine or something <laughs> else. Um, salvage title <laughs> or salvage title or flood damage yeah. or it's underwater in somebody's exactly. pool right now um, yeah <laughs> if you could get it out of my pool you can have it for 20 can, grand you can have it uh and then the 987 cayman so the first gen cayman first gen cayman. yes yeah, yeah. that's not really a gt car although todd and i have noted how good it is for long distance road trips can be can it be can yeah be. yeah but it's it's sort of more fun in the same category that you already enjoy with the Evo 10. Both of both those cars are very much autocross and track and fun and canyon carving and yeah, that kind of thing. I agree. It's I not agree. a kick I back mean, and listen to Pandora or listen to something else on I, Spotify. Whatever. I agree with you. I feel that way about three out of his list of, of, uh, of cars here. Uh, he's got with the Corvette, with the, the 911, whatever variant you could get into for that money, and the 987. I feel like those are cars that when you're doing that GT car race, probably down I-5, you're going to be thinking, I'm wasting this car. The, the <laughs> things that it's best at, I'm not yeah, using it funny. for. That's funny. That's funny. I you like know, that. If, if you went down I'm PCH. I'm wasting this car. <laughs> seriously, if you went down PCH, you would enjoy them. But I, I think, and maybe that's what you're going to do. And if you are, then that changes the reality. But I'm imagining you are go, you're talking about doing highway miles in these. And I think you're going to want a little more sound deadening, a little more luxury, more traditional GT than sports car that can be a GT car, which is what I feel like that VET, the 911, and the Cayman are. They can be GT cars, absolutely, but that's not really their home turf, uh, which brought me to two others. One of them I thought of was, we just talked about it a minute ago, the Infiniti G37 or Q50. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You already like Japanese cars. That car will run. 
it's decent and and it's solid and good to drive on the sweepers and the fun stuff. But that's not a car you're going to worry about just putting miles on. Just go out, jump in it. It's nice. Off you go. I think that's a worthwhile thing. And I have one other one, but you sound like you landed somewhere. I landed hard back at British Cars. Remember how, James, I was talking to you about British Cars? I'm all about British Cars right now for some reason. Where did you go? I went back to Jaguar, and I looked it up, and I found you one. And starting in 08 or 09, how about a Jaguar XK? You can even get an XKR convertible for $26,000. Are you aware Hmm. of this? Talk about Hmm. a GT car that's got loads of power style galore i still love these things they're beautiful cars especially the hardtops the convertibles are great but the hardtops look stunning and you can go all the way to 2011 i'm i'm thrilled with my find here and i'm gonna just kind (laughs) of march around over here i i think you should go for this waving the banner for jaguar you i I cannot believe you are just jaguar is your answer this podcast that's never happened it never happened okay but james i did the legwork for you and i looked them up and found that the internet tells us the xk8 seemed to have very (laughs) little significant problems only with the earlier models the ones that were in the 2000 2003 in there but correct me if i'm wrong jaguar owners xk8 owners of the world for the later models, before it was killed off, these later models are pretty awesome. And I'm shopping here. Hmm. I'm finding them with 100,000 miles, no problem, still in that price range. But you can find them with about 40,000, 50,000 in that price range, hmm. mid-20,000s. GT car, loads of style. It's very okay. different and comfortable yeah. than your yeah, Evo yeah, yeah. 10. Very different car. It is it is going a totally different realm. I, okay, all right. You am, surprised me quite a bit by where you are. I am all about Jaguar right now. I'm so thrilled with this right. car. I've never recommended it either. I'm thrilled to recommend this I car. know. I'm I'm quite shocked. I'm I'm going to go somewhere different than that, and I'm going to go German, which you know we're we're doing all sorts of weird schizophrenia tonight, <laughs> running all over the place. You never do. It's but, always Miata or yeah, BRZ yeah. is the answer or FRS. <laughs> nice, nice. Thanks right? for that. Thank you for that. I well, steal your thunder. No, sorry, but I no no I didn't. No, okay. I'm not that for a GT Ooh. car. No, definitely oh. not. Okay. Here's the thing: you've got that Evo X, and it is you know it's Japanese, high strung, super fun. Very little sound deadening. I, I, I feel you, man. I live there. I get that. But so I'm going, okay, highway miles, something that can just heat, eat up the highway miles. It's just nice to be in. I also feel like it needs to be a car that's nice to look at, which you've gone there with the Jaguar as well. It's, just, you, it's nice walking up to it. You enjoy being in it. It's got good technology and feel and everything. And I went, wait a minute, Audi A5 or if you can swing it, S5. Ooh. That's not a car that you feel... Unlike the Porsches we talked about, if you don't take your Audi Canyon carving, fine. Everybody's okay with that. If you don't take your Porsche Canyon carving, Porsche is going to be sitting there in the driveway going, hi, what's the problem? Okay? Right. The the Audi, (laughs) it's it's made for what you're talking about. It's the Autobahn Cruiser. And and look, I, I actually shopped a bit. You could find some higher mileage S5s. For your price point. I don't know how far. You're saying 20s is your range, 20-ish range. So I don't know how far toward 30 you're going to go. I say just look because the A5 is the random base German car I've always liked. Typically, I don't like base German cars, but I've always liked the A5. I've driven on the track in base form. That is a great GT car, good Audi build quality. Even in the base versions, they've got style. That is my favorite for you by a, by a margin, James, mm. is the A5 or maybe even S5. Interesting. 
Did you shop? Did you? I mean, verified for that price? A A five A five for sure. A five S five. A5, absolutely. S5, what are you willing to go with? What's your actual top end of your budget? Because the problem is, in the 20s, the S5 is all the 80, 90,000 mile version, which he's probably not going to want. But I don't know where in the 20s we go to. You follow what I'm saying? Sure, so sure. that's why I don't know. But but A5, why not? A5 is a great car. It is. It is. And that one's just going to run. No problems. Mm-hmm. But dude, yeah. Jag, I just duded you. Yes, Jag. What I'm has thinking, happened? What has know. happened to you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna go. I, I have. Sorry, the dude thing gave me gave me a rant moment. Uh oh. Two things. <laughs> two things. At some point, we will do a YouTube commentary podcast because I have been working kind of quietly behind the scenes on my categories of YouTube commenters because people oh, typically really? fall into typical <laughs> categories of commenters. But I'm just going to give a little public service announcement for anybody out there that is writing a YouTube comment. You could write the most intelligent, insightful, biting, well-thought-out comment in history. But if you use one of two words, either probably not probably probably p r o l l y for a shortened <laughs> version of probably you have now declared yourself as an idiot the other one that is in that category is bruh b r u h yeah so bruh followed by your thesis project on why you're correct i'm sorry you started with bruh you're done. You're done. You've I don't yourself. care. Yeah. You have written the Bible after the word bra, and I still don't care. I, I don't care. It's irrelevant. Okay? You will have no impact on culture. If, if the Bible, if Genesis 1-1 began, so bra, it would have never gone anywhere. would have been done. Okay? Oh my There's gosh. my rant for the evening. I'm done. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, uh, I used to say dude a lot. I don't anymore. I guess dude, I got it out of I, my That's system. the thing. Dude, dude can work, but bruh and bruh probably, does not work. And probably I'm is, sorry, no. no. I, we don't spell no, like sorry. we talk. We do not do this. Ugh. One of the first things you learn in school is we do not spell like you speak. Words. Yeah, meaning. well, ty- typically if you use bruh or probably somewhere in your, your description, you probably also wrote, I'm a gonna, and it's one word. <laughs> also not one word, okay? Uh. Anyway, I should stop ranting about that before I go too far. We your, should do some Facebook questions. Explode. We got, yeah, we got we got many. We got some Facebook questions. One of them made me laugh. I have to call out Brad. Brad, thank you. You said, "Would you rather?" I love the "Would you rather" questions. Would you rather autocross a Hellcat or drag race a Miata? You're talking about as a driver, which would you prefer? And I'm going to say very quickly after reading this, I said, "Oh, autocross the Hellcat," because that's a laugh. That's a, how many cones did I destroy and where did I spin it? The Miata, it only goes one way. I lost, I lost, I lost, I lost. Okay? But, but the Hellcat, okay. you, you, you're losing, but you're laughing about it because you are thundering through the autocross course in a Hellcat. I, I love that. I do that all day long. That's funny. Surprisingly, my opinion differs because I thought of the monster Miata. If you had a monster Miata, shoo! Sure. You're doing the Nobody stealth thing. I get ever it. I see, see that, that coming. Yeah, if if you have the monster one, I I see where you went. That, yeah. But but you're right. That's the only reason. The rest of the time, you'd you'd be you know, get ready for loserville in your Miata drag racing career. So uh, yeah. 
All right, Kyle asks us, which rare Japanese cars would you love to drive aside from the Mitsubishi 3000 GT, GTO, and GTR? And as soon as I saw your question, I knew. I knew. It is the Toyota 2000 GT, a car built mm. between 1967 and 1970. It is B-E-A-utiful. No. <laughs> You've gone way back, but yeah, I hear you. Call the I movie quote for yeah. me. And these cars are now being auctioned and sold for above a million bucks. I want to know why this thing is so special. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled. It's, uh, yeah, it's gorgeous. It is as luscious as any European or Italian sheet metal from that era, and probably more so. I want to drive that car. Toyota 2000 GT. That's it. That's I, would, I would love, I, I, I see that. I would love to line up the the skyline generations i'd love to do that Ooh, yes all yes, the way yes, up to yes. the current gtr i would love to put them together and do that back-to-back -back thing that we do that would be next to impossible for us to pull off but that's something that i would just be intrigued by because obviously they're for forbidden fruit over here anyway but it'd be cool to actually have them with the current gtr and just walk through those generations because of course now they're just now becoming old enough that we can put them up but uh, get them over here in the us but i'd i'd be very curious about those because that's obviously the 90s uh, Japanese supercar that we missed over here, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I'd be very curious. About hey, those. Justin, if you're listening, <clears throat> you bought Matt, so um, <laughs> he did. Yeah, you could uh, you could offer that up. We would love to drive that. So. <laughs> just, just I don't saying. think we'd have to push Justin very far, but I take your point. I take your point. Uh, Adam Reiner wrote in and said, for the same price point, would you buy a used 996 Porsche 911 or a new BRZ? Hmm, conundrum there because those are very different cars. Yeah, the, yeah. The 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 nine eleven. And honestly, I know this is a non-answer. I really almost have to drill down in this and understand the person I'm talking to, because there's a part of me that just goes. The great thing about the BRZ in this scenario is the fact that you won't be precious about it. You're just gonna. Get in it. It's brand new. You're going to get in it. You're going to hammer it. You're going to drive it. You're going to do what you need to do in your life, and you're never going to think twice about your BRZ. You're just going to go drive it. Whereas that 996, it's used. It'd be very hard to not have kind of a fragile mentality going into it. The car will run. It will be reliable. I suppose. But because of what it is, I think you might be a little concerned about, well, should I be a little more careful with that 996 and the BRZ? That's the only kind of catch in my brain. And I'll be honest. I don't think the 996 is attractive. I actually think the BRZ is a more attractive car, but and I actually like the interior more. I know that's shocking to say, but the 996 interior has just aged horribly. But if you're okay with those two things, the 996 blows the BRZ out of the water as far as speed. The dynamics in it are great. It is a very fun car to drive. I have the solution. All you have to do is not look at the instrument panel. Just keep your eyes high. Just keep looking through the windshield. <laughs> Never look at the interior. You know where the gear shift is. You know where the steering wheel is. You're good to go. You, you I, get out of your 996 and you never look back. But you know it's a Porsche uh, and you drive a 911 and it's awesome. I might. But, I, I mean, I'm going 996. BRZ, great. But the 996 is still a good car. And I would I, I could present the argument is. of all the Porsches available, of all of them, 924 and 944 notwithstanding, that could be considered the least, um, I, I suppose, in, in uh, you know what you're talking about as far as uh, being precious and fragile about it. You could just buy it and, and kind of 
kick it. And oh, I agree. Be on it. Since it's and the it's since it's the least you know. loves of the nine eleven, it's the one you can afford. And and right. you know, you and I right. have talked about it before. If you want the absolute throwdown winner, no other com- competitor car to most affordable for performance, you find yourself a nine nine six turbo. Those cars oh. are shocking oh, performance yeah. cars. And compared to everything else in the Porsche lineup, they are pennies, and they are so incredibly good, well performing. Um, so that is the real performance dollar find right now in the Porsche lineup. But yeah, it's it's this is a conundrum because of course you've picked the unloved Porsche versus the affordable, fun sport new sports car, and that is what makes it interesting. Yeah, yeah. Sticking with Porsche, I do want to go on my own little personal rant over here, real quickly. I'll try to keep it. Hey, Paul rants minutes. too. Good, good for you. I do, okay, I do. And it. this is a question from Blake Swan. Blake, we know you're a fan, and we love having you as a fan. But he does ask, do I regret <laughs> getting my Cayman GTS with a PDK instead of a manual? And I will say no. And here's why. Do you think that Porsche would offer an automatic transmission to the purest enthusiast of the world without making it good? That's my first question. Yeah. And Third then, question. moving on, have you driven a PDK? Have you put it through its paces and put it in Sport Plus mm. mode in a proper 911 or a Cayman and felt how the car comes alive in your hands? And that's what attracts me to it. Do I love manuals? Absolutely. But I have become so impressed with dual clutch transmissions and how they are these days that I had no problem. It was actually a non-issue. If it were a manual and I found it out of the color, great. If it were a PDK, fine. I was actually cool with both. It didn't really, I didn't really have sort of a check in my heart about, ooh, but it's PDK, I'm not gonna like it. Not at all. Because it responds so quickly with the paddles and when it's in Sport Plus and you're just on, I mean, multiple cups of coffee do not compare to how much adrenaline this thing just puts in you and the car comes alive and I feel even more connected. Strange to say, but I will say, if you have not driven a Porsche-equipped PDK car, PDK-equipped Porsche car, I said that backwards, but you know what I mean. I'm with you, yeah. Yeah. If you haven't driven the PDK, you've got to, and you've got to experience it for yourself because it is not a slushy, uh, you know, it it just jumps to life. And so my last part of this question back to you, Blake, is <laughs> let's name some cars that are only offered in dual-clutch automatic transmissions that are truly oh, considered yeah. enthusiast <laughs> cars, like the <laughs> Nissan GTR. That list GTR, is growing. Everybody. Yeah. It yeah. far strays from the original recipe of the Skyline, and it's only in a dual-clutch. How about an Audi yeah. R8, any McLaren, any Ferrari, and any Lamborghini? If you bought one of those... Nobody would question my devotion to being an automotive enthusiast. I guarantee it. <laughs> they would only look at the car. But because it's a yeah. Cayman with a PDK, ooh, I must have lost my marbles for some reason. Well, because it's offered with the manual, people think. But, but you know, I, I wrote that little article about this. You know, I'm yes, trying, you did. I'm, trying. I'm, I'm not always doing, but I'm trying to do regular columns on our website. I'm trying to do them weekly. We have some guest columnists as well, but I'm trying to do them weekly. I don't always get them done. But I wrote one last week talking about kind of the enthusiast assumptions that if a car reviewer doesn't meet these following <laughs> requirements. And I, and I kind of touched on your PDK thing. But the thing I want to also defend in, in your regard, you were looking and going, I would take this car either way. You were looking for the color and the specs and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the transmission was either or in your mind. And you found this one PDK and went, fine, done. Um, and, you know, that GT3, yes, of course, they made the 911R and sold them all out because they're doing the GT3 finally in the manual. Right, there right. is something pure and awesome about the manual. And I 
as much as I love the PDK, I will say I prefer the manual for engagement, but I will then back your play and just say the PDK is unbelievable. It's, it's just it's, shockingly good. It, and if you haven't be, driven a PDK, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the thing about it is, the thing about it is, I mean, here's the thing. The PDK is theoretically related to the DSG, and it is a world of difference. It's a world of difference. And the thing is, the the PDK, the other thing that I see in in your buying process, as much as you bought another Cayman, you bought a very different generation Cayman, spec very differently with the PDK. In all of those ways, you are purposely getting a different life experience out of it. It's a different car in many ways That's true. than your prior Cayman. That's and true. so I see that too. I see, you know, as, as many times as we drove the PDK, looked at each other and just went, wow, that was good. You've gone and bought one now mm-hmm. and kind of put your money where your mouth is and gone, no, it really is that good. I feel like that's the interesting thing about it is in, in a weird way, you've kind of personally endorsed, no, no, this transmission's that good versus going, yeah, I don't really like cars. I'll get a PDK. I've given up. It's the exact opposite, in fact. It is. It is. And with the cars that we've been instructed to leave the dual clutch transmission in automatic mode, don't even use the paddles. We've had track instructors do this. We've driven the GT3 on track. This car, and it downshifts, and it does things for you, and you go, how did it, how did it know? How does it match my Very car? smart. Yeah, how did it yeah know? it's very smart. That kind of feeling is pretty amazing. Now, I'm with you. The manuals are super engaging. They're super fun. That doesn't mean I'm going away from manuals. But Porsche couldn't be couldn't sell as many cars as they do and spec them in as many race cars as they do without them being that good. So that's my rant. Yeah. yeah. Soapbox. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's fine. In a friendly hey, way, hey, though. In a friendly way. It. That's all good. If you're that's hurt, all good. Blake, I, yeah, you're just going to have to be hurt because <laughs> well, it's but, good. But I, hope, but I hope Blake gets in a PDK. That's the thing about it. I hope oh, that the people that are, that are going, what on earth are you doing, can get to drive one. Uh, because it is quite shocking. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, one other one I wanted to cover, and that is Evan wrote in and said, did another would you rather question. He wrote in and said, would you rather have a practical car as a winter beater, so just literally what the name suggests, it's your winter beat on car, and a fun car, or try to combine all of your resources and money and get one car that does it all. I will say, I don't know how many resources we're talking about. Obviously, I'm the guy that just drove a Scion FRS through the winter beater months. Uh, so, you know, exactly. I'm kind of the wrong guy to ask. But I would say if the money and, it, and budget totally changes this discussion, I realize that, Evan. But if you have enough money to get a halfway decent uh, winter beater car that is still somewhat fun, I don't mean – you know, you bought yourself a terrible car. <laughs> well, sure, why not? But but a winter beater that you're not going to be precious about, that you're fine with in the winter, an old Subaru WRX or something that's still kind of fun, okay, that you can drive all winter and then have – the thing I like about the two-car scenario is you can be even more focused with that fun car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because one of the reasons, candidly, besides the fact that it was just out of my budget reach, one of the reasons I didn't go Lotus is because I was going to have to have – another car for the winter and i couldn't afford to do that in the lotus i could almost reach the lotus elise but then i can't afford another car so that was the reason that was like okay what's fun that i can not only afford because the frs was much more in reach but also i can drive you around and not be worried about it and that's why i went frs so that's a factor there but i would love to have the two car scenario for sure on the bright side, if you did, ha- did have an elise you could start a driveway plowing business with that doorstop of a car I mean, you could make its <laughs> could. money back in a winter, probably. Certainly. Sure. And then I could still sell it for thirty grand. Those yeah. cars are just if you're curious, if any of you are shopping, I'll tell you right now, a Lotus Elise is thirty grand. If you're shopping, that's what they are. <laughs> and they have been. Gosh, I'm seeing for ten them pop years. Up. 
even even I saw an 05 with low miles for forty six thousand dollars. I can't no, believe sorry. that. No, sorry. And the O and the O five is not worth that. I mean, I, the, the, there's already enough changes in O six to make it the O six the one that I would want and up. They've got seat changes. They've got lighting changes already in O six. The one I want is the O eight and up factory supercharged. And those, if you really want one, are forty five, which is really too bad. Uh, but yeah, yeah uh, the and the ones that you see for thirty, they're all O fives. But that's the thing: the O fives have been thirty grand for ten years. Let alone the upper <laughs> yeah, right, upper ones. Right. It's nuts. Anyway. Well, guys, we wish we could get to all of your questions. They are so good, and they are really fun. We will hopefully uh, revisit some of these in the near future. But in the meantime, yes. yeah, thank you for sending these in. Do us a favor on the podcast. Please rate and review if you haven't already. And also hit the subscribe button on our views on the, uh, on the YouTube channel there. Hit the subscribe. That really yeah. helps us out as we move forward here, creating more content and look forward into the future. That really helps us. A couple of things you can do for us. And we sure appreciate your support. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, it's a lot of fun to, uh, to do these. I told you we'd have fun. And, man, have well, we and, talked. And we're, we're really excited. Of course we did. We're really excited to uh, join all of you guys for the Autobahn Country Club uh, track day next week. I'll also say, say yes, I, I, I'm fully aware. I, it falls right on me. I'm aware. We're your little radio silent right now on video. Uh, check with us in about a week for that huge RS Comparo, and then we start a lot of weekly content marching forward for the next few months. I know we're taking a gap here, but it's going to be a lot of weekly stuff. We've got new stuff from Tom. Uh, we do have your GTS versus the M2. We've got a couple of fun Comparos we can't talk about yet, but we're setting up. That'll be later in the year. And we still have our BMW M car piece. That's oh, our feature yes. film coming up later. The yes. stuff we have in the can, <laughs> if, uh, the, if the editor would just edit, we'd have a lot more stuff. But anyway, Why it is, is coming, talking? and there's a lot more stuff. Was he still well, exactly. I'm going away to edit right now. Okay, you're right. I need to stop. <laughs> anyway, we're glad to have you with us. No, yeah. this is. We got so much good footage of the Focus RS and its brethren and the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. We got so much tasty, delightful footage. You guys are going to die. <laughs> it's awesome. Can't wait to share. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>